morning. Have your Bibles with you this morning. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 5 through 10. Or to be here on the screen before you. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 5 through 10. When you're ready to read, say amen. Amen. Scripture says, beginning in verse 5, this is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, or whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. They will be like a tree planted by the water, that sends out its roots by the streams. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? In the Lord, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you for the reading of your word. I pray now, Father, that you'd open our hearts, our minds, our souls, and our senses, that we'd be receptive to your word, that we'd take it and apply it to our lives, that we may become better disciples of your son, Jesus. I pray now, Father, that you remove me from this, using me as your humble vessel, speaking your word through me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So here the prophet Jeremiah is talking about uh, people being cursed when they put their faith in something else besides God. How many of you put your faith in your vehicle? Put your faith in your vehicle. We get in it and we think, boy, it, we put faith in it, it's going to start, don't we? And what happens when it doesn't? Uh-oh. All right, what about uh, people put faith in the stock market and it does real good and then it crashes and then uh-oh. And then people, people put faith in their family members that they're going to come through with something and then when they don't, guess what? Uh-oh. That fails. We put faith in all types of things that are worldly, and we get sometimes those things fail. But when we put our faith in God, it never fails. Amen? Amen. No, matter what, no matter what happens, no matter what trial or tribulation we're faced with, it never fails when we put our faith in God. It talks about when we put our faith in God, it's like a tree planted by the waters. It's always going to have water, even in a drought. The roots are down deep, and there's still moisture there. And their leaves never wither. They're always there and they, have, uh, they produce good fruit. So for us as believers of Jesus Christ, when we stay rooted in the Word of God and we stay rooted with Jesus Christ in the center of our lives, even in the drought time of our lives, we are still bearing fruit. We are still able to hold our heads up high and say that we serve God and that God is in control. You know, many of you may have watched to see if the groundhog was going to see his shadow or not on Groundhog's Day. And we, we think, well, okay, you know, six more weeks of winter or six, you know, early spring. What's it going to be? And so he saw his shadow in six more weeks of winter, right? So now a couple days ago it was real warm. Friday, man, it was near 70 degrees. And now today it's what? Like 26. So we can't really depend on, I mean, 
you've heard me say it before, weatherman's the only job you can have that you can be wrong 50% of the time and still keep your job. But it's one of those things where it's a prediction. You're trying to look at everything else. But with Jesus Christ, it's a certain thing all the time. Amen? You know He's always going to be there for you. He's always going to provide for you. He's always going to give you the things that you need at the right time. We think, well, He'll always provide for me. He'll always give me the things I need. Well, I need right now. Well, that may be your thought process that you need right now. But God's timing is always perfect. He says in uh, verse 10, He says, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. It doesn't matter what it looks like we're doing. The, the Lord knows our heart. He knows whether our heart is in the right place of what we are doing or not. Sometimes in giving to people who are less fortunate, you may think to yourself, well, somebody may say to you, well, you know that person's just going to misuse what you gave them. But it's not our place to be concerned about how they do it. It's about being obedient to what God's called us to do. And if we do what God's called us to do, we can go across town and sleep with a good conscience the next night that everything went well, that you've done what you were supposed to. But if we don't do what God's called us to do, we're missing out on blessings. Because if we do what the Lord calls us to do and we give to Him, I've told this story to the, the horse is dead and Brenda's rolling her eyes already. She gave away my baloney. Y'all know that story. She stopped and gave it to a man on the side of the road and said, need food. She gave him some bread and bologna and a, and a two liter drink and she got home and I wondered where my bologna was at and she said, the Lord told me to give it away. And then I, you know, the, I look for the bad things and everything, I guess. I said, well, that, that person could have done whatever. Well, I know it was right because the Lord told me to do it. She put me in my place, lady. She said, look, I know it was right because the Lord told me to do it and everything was taken care of. But when you do that, the Lord just opens a window and pours blessings out upon you. So many more that you can't even begin to hold them. He does that for you. So here in Jeremiah, the prophet is, is recording the word that God is telling them that those who put their faith and their trust in mere mortal man, they're just going to lay by the wayside because it's something that can waver all the time. I don't know about you, but it's a comfort for me when I go to a doctor and I have to have something done. They say, well, I'm going to do all I can through God giving me the strength to do it. Or they pray with you. That means more to me than anything. I know that they're giving God the glory and honor and the praise for the knowledge that they have and the ability that they have to help you. That comforts me. 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verses 12 through 20. And you there say amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 12 through 20. Amen. <clears throat> Paul speaking, he says in verse 12. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that He raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. 
For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, and the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. So Paul is speaking to those because some rumors had been said that uh, the resurrection wasn't real, that people really wouldn't been raised from the dead. But now last week we learned that Jesus not only appeared to uh, his disciples, not only did he appear to just a few people, but multiple people he appeared to after his death and burial and his resurrection. So we believe this morning that Jesus Christ was crucified, dead and buried, and the third day He arose from the dead and He lives still today. Amen. Amen. Well, if we believe that, then how do we know for certain that that happened? Have we ever seen somebody who had passed away rise from the dead? No. No. Have we ever seen anybody who was spiritually dead become spiritually alive? Yep. Amen. We have. So we see that, that the dead... Uh, the spiritually dead can become spiritually alive. But when we hear that Jesus Christ was crucified, dead, and buried, we believe that because why? We have faith. And we have this Scripture that's laid out before us that there was countless witnesses that saw Jesus alive after His death, burial, and resurrection. But if we don't believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, as they were saying here, then their faith was futile. And those who had died in Christ were lost. But this isn't what we believe. Verse 20, it says, But Christ has indeed raised from, raised from the dead, been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. We know, we talked about last week, that seeing is believing when Lee went from one side of the church to the other side of the church three times and y'all never saw him, right? You know, so fast that you couldn't see him. And we know that seeing is believing. But our faith tells us that Jesus Christ was indeed raised from the dead and that others still will be raised from the dead. There will come a day at a time when the trumpet sounds, when Jesus Christ comes in all of His glory, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. They will meet Him in the air, and then all of us who are still alive in Christ will be called up with Him in heaven for eternity. Amen. This is what we believe in and we hope for. If we didn't believe in it and we didn't hope for it this morning, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't get up in the morning and bend God's ear with prayer for thanksgiving and petitions apart for ourselves and for others in intercessory prayer if we didn't believe that Jesus was going to return one day in all of His glory. If we didn't believe that there was power in prayer, we wouldn't pray. There would be no reason for us to be here this morning. But because we believe, we know that Jesus is going to return in all of His glory. Because we believe, we have faith. Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, verses 17 through 26. You there? Say amen. Luke chapter 6, verses 17 through 26. So tomorrow's Valentine's Day. 
When you tell your significant other that you love them, your sweethearts, you love them, that, that they, they're special to you. And Jesus has told us that He loves us by laying His life on the cross of Calvary. No greater love can man have than this, that He laid down His life for His friends. Amen? Amen. Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 17. He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of His disciples were there and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear, to hear Him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured and the people all tried to touch Him because power was coming from Him and healing them all. So all these people came to hear Jesus speak. They came to hear Him uh, talk about the things that God had done and was going to do for them, that He was, he was the, the Savior sent into the world. They came to be healed. Those with impure spirits had them removed. And they just wanted to touch Jesus because in touching Him, they would be healed because healing power was going out from Him. And then Jesus says in verse 20, looking at His disciples, He said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. And blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. What was Jesus telling them that, that those who were, who were hungry now, those who, who uh, were poor right now, those who uh, were outcast right now, that they were the ones that were going to be rich? No, Jesus was conveying to His disciples that if they gave of themselves, if they gave of their riches so that others could have the same that they had, that they would be blessed. If they gave of their food, what good is it to have all the food in the world and people around you starving? It's not any good. But Jesus was saying, if you give some of your food, and at times you may even go hungry so that others may have something to eat, you're blessed. And then if someone else is in pain or weeping and sorrow, and you weep with them and you comfort them, you're blessed. And He said you're blessed when people hate you when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name because you serve Jesus. Because you put Jesus first. Verse 23, it says, Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. To rejoice when somebody ridicules you and excludes you and insults you when you do something in the name of Jesus. Verse 24, But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. He says, Woe to you who are rich and hoard up all the things that you have and you don't give to those who are less fortunate. When your brother or sister is beside you struggling and you don't help them, woe to you. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Like I said, what good is it to have all the food in the world and people around you starving to death?
Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Laugh at people who are, who are trying or struggling, and you have the means to help. And those who laugh at them, because they're struggling. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. What good is it to have accolades here in this world? Accolades aren't going to do anything for us when we get to heaven. It's better to be known as, as somebody who gave everything that they had, done everything that they could, and loved the Lord God with all their heart than to say they had everything they could get, they didn't do anything with it, and they mistreated everybody. That's not what you want to be remembered by. We've said this before, that little dash between your birth date and the day you leave to go meet your Maker that little dash says everything about who you are. Scripture says we're supposed to not let the left hand know what the right hand's doing. To give in secret. To do so that you're not seeking lip service from people here on earth for what you're doing. Those who are rich, that's all you're going to get. That's all you're going to become. You've received your comfort. It's over with. It's better for someone to not know that you've done something for somebody. And it's better for you, for them not to know that you took care of them so that you're blessed. To give of yourself. All this sermon this morning is about is about obedience and about a giving of yourself to glorify God. It's not about I, I, I. It's about Christ, Christ, Christ. That's what it's about. We have to become less and less about ourselves and more and more about Christ. Amen. Are you doing all that you can do? Are you giving all that you can give in every aspect of your life to glorify the kingdom of God, to bring Him honor, glory, and praise? I hope and trust you are. And I hope and trust you're receiving all those blessings the Lord is pouring out upon you. But if not, I want to encourage you to try to outgive God because you can't do it. And the blessings that He'll replace when you try to outgive Him are so worth it.